This documentary, titled Waterford to Grosovo, was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. My name is Eileen McCarthy-Thompson and I've spent the past year learning about the charity Chernobyl Aid Ireland from their beginnings to date. In May of 2019, I travelled to Belarus with a group of volunteers to witness their work firsthand. In the beautiful little village of Grozovo, volunteers and the Belarusians they support happily share their stories and experiences with me. For over 20 years, the tireless and selfless work of the charity has been rewarded with deep appreciation and love from those they now call friends and family. This documentary traces the history of the charity and the journey it has been on to date, and through many encounters and interviews with volunteers and Belarusians alike, it captures the powerful sense of camaraderie that remains tangible in their work today. This is their story. Told by the CEO of Chernobyl Aid Ireland, Liam Grant, the volunteers, the director of Grozovo Boarding School and residents past and present. On the 26th of April 1986, the disaster at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant released nuclear materials 400 times more powerful than Hiroshima. 60% of the fallout landed in Belarus. Chernobyl Aid Island was established in 1997 to help the children of Grozov Bonin School which is 120 kilometers outside Minsk, the capital of Belarus. It was originally a home for 200 children, aged from 7 to 17. However, in the past few years, the children have been put in foster homes, and the school is now a home for the mentally handicapped. The aim of Chernobyl Aid Island is to turn Grozovo from the former military barracks into a decent place to live. Uh, my name is Liam Grant, CEO with uh, Chernobyl Aid Island. Um, many years ago, um, I was watching the Late Late Show and Eddie Roach. Um, put a plea out for somebody to take a truck out to Belarus and done a few trips with them and decided that it would be better if um, we got going ourselves and just uh, stayed with one place. So a crowd of us got together, um, Eddie Mike Bride, Wardy, Ward Welch, and a few others, and we went out and done a, a survey. The aim was to find um, one place that we could make a big difference in. My name is Alena, I'm from Belarus. Uh, Lim Grant decided to set up his own group, his own charity, so they were looking for someone to do the work for them from Belarusian side. And they said to me, uh, would I be willing to do that? And would I like to stay in Ireland and work for them? So I said, of course. So that's how it started in 1997. I remember now, like when Lim and few other volunteers uh, decided to start their own project, they went to Belarus and they had no place to go. You know, there are so many places at that stage, so many orphanages, and you don't know, you know, like you want, like he wanted to find the one which needed the aid probably mostly than other places. Um, so like they were driving, it was seven, seven of them went to Belarus at that stage and they were driving literally around the country and asking people, is there any orphanages around? Is there any boarding schools around? Anybody needs help? You know, like that. Yeah, we'd, we'd done a, a tour of Belarus in, into different uh, schools and boarding schools and hospitals and um, we found uh, Grozovo, it's a little village, um, the, the orphanage is in the, in the middle of the forest if you like, which all of the, most of the orphanages were all military barracks and they were all always way off, off road in the middle of a forest. 
And like when we found Grosvenor with 300 kids there uh, in awful conditions, uh, there was no toilets. Uh, toilets were there, but they used buckets. Uh, the showers was just one cold shower. Um, the one thing that always sticks in our mind is um, <coughs> the kids queuing up in the snow with uh, rags, not towels, but just clothes to dry themselves. And the shower was just cold, icy cold water. And uh, when the lads saw it and they said, like, we're not going any further, you know, we're going to stay in there because you, 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 you knew that the kids needed help badly there. So we met uh, on that evening, we met the director and made a lot of promises. I suppose she said, these fellas are crazy. <laughs> They're not going to come back. So we come back and we got a big group of people together. We had no money now at this stage. Liam just came back now, like, and uh, they just created the board of directors and they called literally their friends and their families and they said, that's what we would like to do. You're going behind us on board, like, you know, like you're going to help us. And loads of actually people just decided to follow him. So they created their own charity, which is called Chernobyl Island, and uh, collected their first aid and uh, went to Belarus, you know. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, and all Chinese grow up. And we loaded up the trucks, got all the skills together, and um, headed out. Um, the poor director, I think, um, was, is st probably still suffering from shock. But it went on then, <coughs> year after year, we went twice a year. My name is Jeff Spencer. Um, I've been involved with Chernobyl Ireland from, I suppose, day one. And the early days, obviously, there was uh, big, big numbers uh, on the site here. Um, you know, and um, obviously over two or three weeks, um, you know, that, that was logistically, it was uh, difficult to, you know, with that number of people and that amount of work. Um, if you take the one of the blocks on the left-hand side, that was the first block we ever done. Uh, after completing some of the, the basic, I suppose, toilets and, and showers, and decided we take that on. I think in three weeks we actually completed it. Um, it was just hell for leather. You know, 12 hour days, seven days a week, no break, you name it. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, that building was just fit to be knocked down. Um, then we had other problems like um, the laundry, we put in new laundry, um, then we decided to tackle the kitchen. They changed the school blocks, they changed the classrooms, they improved now the kitchen canteen, uh, they put the English classroom in there like with equipment like so the kids can use the headphones, you know, like with books, everything. They uh, done the home economics room for the kids in there because uh, one of the biggest problem was for the kids uh, when they were living in the orphanage, everything was done for them. The kids didn't know how to make a cup of tea, uh, how to cook something, because they were constantly, every single day was like a routine. You get up in the morning, you, you know, you have a shower uh, or wash yourself, uh, you go for breakfast, then you go to the school, then you study in there, then at two o'clock you have lunch, then you go like and do your homework, then again you go and eat something, then it's your free time, then you go like for bed in the morning exactly the same right so when Irish lads came and there what they said now like they had the word so socializing which means now like how to put those kids into social system after they graduate from the orphanage they wouldn't know how to live their lives because they're within the system from the age of seven till 18 and then at the 18 the doors are open what are you supposed to do the kids when when they left Grosvenor they were they weren't going on to university, they weren't going on to good colleges. Um, a lot of them were going on the streets. Um, they weren't going to a good place. But like after uh, Ireland got involved and the, the classrooms um, improved, uh, the teachers improved, uh, kids were going on to university, they were going on to college. Um, like that that was a big uh, big thing um 
like I, I found that um, I found it good. It was heartwarming. It was good for the Irish morale as well to see where the the kids were um, were coming from and the support we got from Ireland was was serious. Like with um, especially with our families putting up with it because it it did take over people's lives. Um, like you, you got finished in May and September was staring you in the face. So. It's totally voluntary. You know, there's no one getting paid. Uh, you know, we all do it uh, free of charge, you know. So every penny that comes into it is actually spent, you know, and uh, on what we need to do, you know. And we don't have a surplus of money. We just maintain what we have. And uh, so that's a good thing, you know. It's a kind of an honest way, like, you know, you see some of the big charities there, you know, and they're fundraising, they're getting thousands of pounds and they have X number of employees. Uh, we haven't gone that road, like, you know, so I think it's good and honest like that way, like, you know. So it gives people reinsurance as well, like, you know. And we've learned to work with uh, with the Belarusian authorities as well. Um, when we came out of our force, we would have been, I suppose, green. We would have made a lot of mistakes, uh, a lot of rows. But now we're, we seem to be able to just get through it and do it. And, you know, there's no missing, like, you know. But it's amazing just to see the difference in all those years. There was so much money invested in there, but not only money, as I said, so many time, so much time, so much sweat, so much effort, everything. You know, you can't, if 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 you ask uh, to put the price on the project now, you know, uh, or estimate on the price, you can't do that. It's not only millions and millions of euros invested in that project, but how you're going to value the time people put into it. It's priceless, you know. My name is Tanya Cebulska and uh, I'm coming and working with Irish volunteers twice a year uh, to cross our boarding house. Uh, I uh, have graduated myself across of a boarding school in 2009 and uh, I have been admitted to Grosova boarding school in 1998 as an orphan. Uh, unfortunately, my parents were deprived of their parental uh, rights uh, because of alcohol issues. And when I was admitted to Grosova boarding school, unfortunately, the living conditions weren't the best. And uh, I remember when first Irish volunteers came to Grosova and uh, the first thing that they were doing, they were renovating toilets and showers. And I remember the happiness um, when we could have a hot shower uh, in the winter time and we had a hot water in the sinks so we could wash our faces in the morning. Uh, with the hot water, not cold, what we used to do. While I was in Grasova, every, every uh, the end of April and every May, we were wait, waiting for Irish volunteers to come, and we would be waiting at the gates for trucks. And when we hear the beeping, uh, everybody would run out from the classes from everywhere just to wave and uh, greet uh, Irish volunteers. And uh, that uh, this time is appears in my mind as one of the best experiences uh, of my life. Um, when they would come, uh, they apart from um, working here in Grasova doing renovations, uh, there were volunteers who would be playing with us, who would be painting with, us, who would be doing painting with us, uh, and uh, that was a great, really great time. Loads of people now, like who were affected by Chernobyl uh, disaster, now uh, in the areas where they were living, the areas, uh, the uh, areas were so contaminated by the Chernobyl explosion that uh, the government couldn't leave people staying in those areas, in those villages, uh, and small towns. Uh, so what the government decided, they put the program into place uh, where they were relocating people from their houses. Uh, loads of the families who used to live in the villages, they were relocated into the cities. They were given their apartments. Uh, families were relocated to Minsk itself, you know. Like kids staying in the orphanages, uh, loads of them called social orphans. 
Uh, they do have moms and dads in real life. They're still alive, you know, but they've been deprived of their parental rights because they start drinking and neglecting the kids. Why did they start doing it? Uh, because when loads of them, when they were living in the villages and then being relocated to the cities, they didn't know anything but just how to walk on the land or how to work on the farm. And then when they were relocated to the city, they couldn't find the job. Uh, they didn't have any other knowledge. So um, some of them, just as I said, now like getting very weak and start now like drinking and neglecting their, uh, their kids. So then the government was uh, depriving them of their parental rights and taking those kids into the state care. And, how, and that's how loads of the orphanage being formed as well. Yeah, uh, Rusnik Corporation, um, in the early days, we uh, the plane used to fly from Main Street into Shannon, and we used to fill the plane. Uh, you'd have 120, 150 kids coming in at uh, summertime. Uh, some of the kids came in for a month, some came in for three months. And uh, Christmas time, uh, all of the kids uh, came in for a month. So basically what, uh, what involves uh, in the whole process, uh, we have to find the host, um, Irish host families first. This is the families who are willing to take the kids for holidays. Uh, once we find those families, now like uh, the families have to get the vet in through Barnardas, allowing them actually to take those kids. Uh, that's what I'm dealing with as well. Uh, then after that one, now like when the family is just telling me uh, whom they would like to bring, a boy or a girl or what age, you know, we give the choice to the families now because they're not only opening their hearts for the kids, they're opening their homes uh, and houses for the kids. So they have to be comfortable with, with whichever child they're taking. There is a huge database in Belarus for the kids uh, who are allowed to travel abroad. Like uh, there would be the kids now orphans from different uh, uh, orphanages and boarding schools. There'll be kids now from the fostering families because in Belarus now, like if you would like to foster the child, you can take the child from the orphanage, but the child will still hold the status of an orphan. So the child will be still allowed to travel abroad for holidays. My name is Cloda and I'm, well, we don't like titles, but I'm the group leader for the group of host families who live in the East Cork, West Waterford area. And the first time Veronica, her name was, Veronica, came to me, I, I say to new group members, there is nothing like being on a beach with a child who's never seen it before. But it is good fun. It's fun to have a child. And if you never do it again, just do it once. Hi, I'm Susan Mooney from um, Ballyboyle near Stradbally and uh, this will be my third year taking Chernobyl children. As I'm a primary teacher myself, uh, I said, yeah, I have a bit of time, I could do this. So I had two girls the first year. It's busy because you're, you know, you, you want to do the best you can for these girls and take them here and there and they love the sea and all activities so you know they they come they're very quiet initially and then they start to get to know you and they start to get to know their surroundings and they really get a lot out of it you can see they're they look much healthier going back I think and um, they've they chat a lot more and plenty of activity and hopefully they'll have a good holiday and we were rewarded as well to see how good a time they have. Uh, like what I've seen now, like when the kids are coming to Ireland, as I said now, like the day they fly into Ireland is a very, very happy day for everyone. Everyone is very excited, no matter how late the flight is. Everyone is in the airport waiting, you know, like the kids are smiling, giggling. To, to be in the airport that day and just to see them when they're coming, it's amazing story, you know, because like there are so many tears, but tears of happiness and so much noise around, like, you know, everyone is screaming and running towards their families and giving the hugs and everything for the kids. I think it's very important for Belarusian kids uh, uh, to come to Ireland because they come in here now like for the cleaner surrounding, I mean the air, the food they eat, right? And that's supposed to boost their immune system for the feather, maybe a year or two or three, like, you know, it's all very individual. But what is very important for them as well, those kids who are coming now from the orphanages, in the orphanage, uh, they're one of many. When they come into Ireland, uh, they're staying uh, with families and then here, they're the unique. 
I just would like to say that uh, my life changed for the better. Uh, I have visited Ireland many, many times uh, while I was here as a child. I've been going there at least twice a year for uh, rest and recuperation. And it happened that I was going to Lim's grand family. I remember the first time when I found out that I was going to his family. It was in Shannon Airport. Uh, Liam came to me and there was another boy whose name was Lasha and he said, who is Tanya and Lasha? And we said, me and me. And uh, he said, you and you are coming to my family. And uh, the fact that uh, Liam was very tall and I was a child. And so I turned around and went to the bathroom and my friend Luda followed me in there. And I was crying in there because I didn't want to go to <laughs> Liam's family. Uh, I thought that um, I wouldn't have a great time. But um, in reality, it appeared uh, it's, I had the best time of my life. But she's been coming to Ireland now since she was, we'll say, eight years of age. She's, I think, 23 now. Like, it's a good story. There's a lot of good stories like that all through, um, all over Ireland where kids have been coming in and uh, families have been helping them through uh, school and through uni. Uh, the rest and the rec recuperation program played a great role in not only my life but in all uh, in the lives of all the kids that have visited uh, Ireland. Um, we actually had families as we called our families because in Grasova we had only cares, we didn't have mummies and daddies and uh, when we would arrive to Ireland we would feel uh, this warm welcome and um, um, we stayed in the families, we had this uh, sense and understanding that uh, we belong. The one thing about Belarus is if you're a bright kid and willing to learn, they will bring you through like all, all of your um, university time is all free. Uh, your accommodation is free. And like you will be looked after. Uh, the cruel side of that is if, if you're a slow learner, you could end like a very slow learner. Uh, you could end up in a place like Grosovo. Um, like it's a cruel, it's a cruel world out there. Like it's it's very easy to um, for people to end up in mental institutions. So a uh, few years ago, then uh, the orphanage, uh, the government, as I said now, like uh, the policy of the government was to close as many orphanages as possible. And uh, Grozova orphanage was one of them as well. Like, you know, they wanted to close it as well. But because the conditions in the orphanage were so fantastic they couldn't waste it they said now like that the whole orphanage looked so great and so much has been invested in that orphanage and everything was done on such a high level that they couldn't leave the orphanage getting empty so what they decided to do then they just decided to transfer that orphanage into a boarding school for uh, people uh, with mental problems. Uh, now it's called, it's still called Grozova, like, you know, but like now it's Grozova Psychoneurological Boarding School. Going back to what it was like with uh, when it became psychiatric, I was in Minsk with a, with a load of aid for Grozova and I didn't want to go down there because, like, the last time I was there, all the kids were there. So I eventually got the courage, went down and... Um, I wasn't there 10 minutes. I said, it, it's marvelous to see, like, these people, it's going to be their home for life. So let's get on with it and, and do what we can for them. Life's most persistent and urgent questions is, what are you doing for others? Martin Luther King. Right, this time um, we have two talks going, one from one from Wathford and uh, the other truck is going from Yall. Um, the truck from Yall will be mostly ho hospital equipment, beds and um, uh, stuff like that. A lot of um, clothing as well that will be going to uh, the poor people in, in Minsk with um, 
um, that will be distributed by Otlik. So John O'Connor and Esther, I think, have taken that truck out. Well, my name is Barry. I'm here with uh, all the crew there. My father, John O'Connor, is kind of in charge of it. All we're doing is pretty much just boxing everything up now, uh, getting it onto the truck, kind of get everything ready for them to head out to Belarus there. I'm, my name is Esther, Esther O'Connor. I'm John's wife. My sibling Johnny, you know what we're doing this now. This is our fourth year now doing this. And um, so we, we've bought three or four hundred boxes of clothes, kids' clothes, and everything going out. And, but thank God now we have a full truck. And the, the, the travelling then, it's, it's a fair bit of travelling. It'll take five to six days to get there. And it's the borders really, they're the ones who hold you up. Uh, when we arrive at the, um, the Polish-Belarusian border, at the Polish side, um, in the early days you had a queue maybe 10, 15, 20 kilometers long. It hasn't changed that much. Um, when you're carrying humanitarian aid, you're allowed to pass. Uh, it can be it can be a little bit dangerous um, because you imagine um, truck drivers that have been there for two or three days and here the paddies come flying <laughs> on the outside. Uh, they can get a bit aggressive. Uh, it's not so bad nowadays. Um, between the Polish and Belarusian border, you're going to lose 12 or 14 hours anyway uh, by the time you get your paperwork done from the Polish side to get to the Belarusian side and then to get the paperwork done at the Belarusian side to transit down to Minsk to finally clear customs. You're looking at um, probably two days. They, they probably know us now, um, like we know the system uh, fairly well now as well. So we know exactly what to do. Um, at the Belarusian side we always have uh, Olga, she's our interpreter that meets us there. Poor girl to be blessing herself because she knows she's going to be in trouble. <laughs> There's always something wrong. It goes to Minsk first, right? And it's like over there in Minsk, it's like a Vincent de Paul place to them. And they distribute a lot of stuff to different parts of the area that we actually don't go to. We just say if we have a full truck, half will go to them. You know, and when we go there, they look after us very well when we go there. And then the second half, then we go to Krasovo. Yeah, we normally have a truck for for Krasovo, but also maybe one or two trucks for Otlik. Otlik means help. And Otlik is um, a group in Minsk. Um, Ludmila Krasovaya, she is the head woman there. And... Um, all of our work is uh, with homeless people and uh, with street kids. What she does is she has um, she has soup kitchens and, and uh, places for hot food. We always manage to bring um, <coughs> clothes and shoes and stuff like that for her. Uh, she gets a lot of help as well from Germans. She does all our all our paperwork and um, she knows her way around around Minsk. That's for sure. So where it would take us um, quite a long time to get through uh, the red tape or whatever you call it in, in customs. Uh, she knows her way around and she gets us um, in and out as quickly as possible. When I don't the first time actually going out, I said, oh my God, I hope this is worth it. I'm not going to lie to you. And um, but when I got there, you know, it just all disappeared while we went through traveling because just see their faces. And I mean, when we were unloading the truck, you'd see some of them and they were hiding little toys under their coats and everything, you know, just to hold on to them. You know, they, they, they were just so happy to get things. And there, there was one young fellow there and he took a little teddy bear out of the box and put it under his coat. And he was running in with it, like, you know, and I was like, oh my God, love him, you know, just... 
they literally have nothing. The simplest acts of kindness are by far more powerful than a thousand heads bowing in prayer. Mahatma Gandhi Before we go with the with the trucks, um, all of the paperwork has to be right. You have to make sure that um, your truck is fully insured, uh, tested. Um, it has to be 100%. The, the volunteers going out nowadays, the, Maggie makes, uh, Maggie is the, the chef. She makes a decision, well, I'm going this date. Hi, my name is Mark Grimes. So we kind of start preparing at Christmas for the trip in May. I start looking at flights and then I wait for Mr. O'Leary to reduce the flights and then I ring around and I say, I've booked my flight for such a date. Uh, then everyone else will follow and book their own flight. So once the flights are booked, then Liam can prepare for when he's leaving and he usually leaves maybe a week or 10 days before us. So he's kind of waiting then for us to get there, you know, and then we travel to Dublin or wherever. We all meet up in the airport. So we get on the flight, we travel to Dublin to Vilnius. We probably arrive around half 11 at night. Hopefully there'll be a guy in a bus waiting for us and he'll take us to Belarus. Without Maggie there, um, nobody is, like the food is the most important part of it. Uh, without the, the, the food and the Irish chefs, uh, Maggie and Mary and whoever else is allowed into the kitchen. Um, without that, um, the, the thing doesn't happen. Um, you need food, you need good food, especially when lads are working hard. And um, like the the banter in in the the kitchen, it doesn't matter how good Maggie's dinner is, we tell her it's horrible anyway, so <laughs> and get ourselves in trouble. We kind of tend to head as soon as we can into town and get the shopping and get all that together because uh, the lads are starving. Uh, at the moment, a lot of the residents grow some of the veg in the new polytunnels, so we use some of that for the volunteers. Like, we have great laughs, and, you know, the lads are always messing with us, maybe taking something else that we can't find, and all that kind of messing goes on, and, and Liam is probably at the... He's the big baby and the child in the middle of us. But what? I want special dinners like you do for the Kerry men. Because you're, you. Oh, you get special You're starting to expand a bit. That's you is gone. The Kerry men are gone. You're starting right. to expand a bit, is that right? Yeah, that's all the good eat, the good food here. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Yeah. My name is Irina Davidovska. And I am the director of Grozova Psychoneurological Boarding House. So uh, the life and uh, the cooperation with Irish volunteers and people uh, makes uh, our lives better and makes us very happy. We can feel their support and of course uh, we can feel the great material uh, support because if we have a look today at anything in that place everything has been done by Irish volunteers that includes uh, new showers, uh, the opening of a new hairdressing salon, um, uh, different uh, classes of uh, arts and uh, crafts, uh, also Irish volunteers brought polytunnels, and uh, this includes uh, including landscaping, 
We are very thankful for absolutely everything. Like the group of 10, 15 or 20 people going out now are quite capable of taking on like the next project is a shower, so and that will start totally gutted and totally finished all in the one week. Like if you if you look at some of the TV programs in the UK, where they come in and um, they do a house in a week, well, the same thing is happening out there. These fellas are unreal when they, when they get going. Hello, my name is Eamon. I've been coming here for a number of years. Uh, we're doing a shower block this year. Just getting, ripping it out and getting it all prepared for all new tiles. Plumbers come in then. New ceiling. Uh, there could be a half a dozen or more between all the different trades. Whatever comes up has to be done. We do it. We don't just stick to our own trade. Well, boys, how are you getting on? Very good now, Liam. Very good. How about you? Well, we're ready to start slapping now. You're going to cover up all the wires, yeah? Catching and see is alive. <laughs> what do you think of the plumbers inside? Victor explained yesterday that he would love to you. They had um, an issue with the pipe. One of the pipes bursted. Is it a steel pipe? Or? Uh, Could you have a look? Yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah, come on, Ben. Oh, is it here in this building? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. We can have a look. okay, come on. I don't think I can do it this time because we have so much work to do here. Yeah, yeah, in the showers. But if I, I will look at it and see if it's okay, we leave it. And next year, okay. I will make the provision and bring the correct stuff and we can get pick up all these other radiators that are not working. Not working. So I'll have a look at this to make sure that we can get them all working again. That's perfect. Is yep, that okay? no problem. On The lads will be busy. You know, you, you won't see him that much during the day, only to be fed. Uh, you'll probably see Liam going around, coming around back and forth. And we kind of, we just take it as it is. We do our work. We get everything prepared. If we have everything ready for the dinner, lunch and whatever, we have an hour in the afternoon maybe. We tend to go out to the residence where they're out in the gardens or whatever. And we kind of mix with them, take photographs. Um maybe go walk up to the village, up to the little shop in the village, maybe buy ice cream, bring it back to the residence, just things like that. That's really what we do. Um, you know, you just, you just need to get involved with the people as well. That's a good part of it out there. It's, um, you know, they need that attention as well because there's so many of them there that they don't get that attention from their carers. Because if you have maybe 15 or 20 people to one care, you're not going to get that attention. So when they see you, like they, all they want is the attention, even to shake your hands, a hug. So we're walking through one of the sleeping blocks where patients live and I would like you to show you and have an idea what it what it's like. Uh, you can see they have their own rooms. So she said, it's, it's my room, we're living. Uh, there are two of us, me and one my friend. And uh, it's very nice in here and we're happy to live together. So all is good, all is fine. We have a TV and we have a pictures on the walls and it's so cool and it's very nice. We have a table, we have everything and uh, thank you so much for your help. That's all great. Yeah, arts and crafts are very important because like especially in winter time like it's a long long winter there the winter will only be finishing when we go out in may like it's been a long winter so you have people doing crochet knitting um all sorts of things um different soft toys being built um like the, there's a vast amount of uh, stuff being done in arts and crafts you have people uh, painting there as well that are quite skilled
Меня зовут Бро Виктор. Hello. This is boy name is Victor. He very talented the boy in the Grozava. He paints lots of lots of pictures. You can see in whole the school and my class as well. And now we stay in Victor's room. He have all for him life now. But before he was he don't have nothing. And now he have um, have lots of time in Grozava and he spends him his time when he pencils the pictures and he happy now because he opens the talent it's never was before for him Leonardo da Vinci Ciao <laughs> 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 Leonardo da Vinci My name is Joe and known better to the crew out here as Kelly Joe and I came here at the invite from my brother and Tim Breen I think it was back in 2003. When we, the group started to come from different counties here, we had we made a scaffold up around the building and everybody was working and we were just trying to get to meet. You were just meeting a guy from Kilkenny or from Galway, Louth, Meath, Tipperary, Waterford. And then we started, as a little thing to do, we started putting up the flags from each of the counties on the end of the scaffold. And every year we found out that there was, a new, there was another county involved. But it, it was just so nice. And then... In the event that we, we have done it here in the villages too, like where somebody might be in dire straits in the village, they might need a ramp built outside their house, they need a wheelchair, which we've done here, and we just go and chip into the village or maybe help them out with a bit of furniture or, you know, buy them something. In fact, the market would come around here on a Thursday, uh, the rolling market, vans, and we might go and two of us might go over different times and different people and buy a bag of groceries and just drop them at the house to people in the village. We were just spreading out a little bit to show the small little bit of that we weren't just people here for the com for the to the orphanage. We were we were here to help everybody that we could help. And you know, they appreciated it too. And we were able to we'd go and visit their house. I remember one night I went with my brother. We were invited into this house and we were sitting down outside and they had the bowl of their dinner on the table. And it was just a huge, big circular bowl into the table with potatoes inside in it. And they invited us to come and sit at the table, which we didn't partake in because we were, had our dinner taken. So my brother, God rest him, was there. And on the top of a cabinet was an accordion. And my brother said, pull down the box, Johnny, he said, and give us a lash. The guy didn't understand what we were even saying. But he did accommodate us. He took down the accordion and he gave us a blast for about a half an hour sitting on a three-legged stool in the middle of the floor. And I thought I was back in Ireland about 80 years before that, and I see the guy in the middle of the kitchen floor playing the garden at four o'clock in the evening. But the people in the village here are very nice because when you pass their houses, they actually invite you to come in. But I love coming back here. Just love it. And nowadays we can't imagine what our lives would be without Irish volunteers. And a long time ago I once said that uh, now Irish volunteers and us uh, were like husband and wife. <laughs> always together, whatever happens. Irish volunteers did play a, a great role in, in the lives of residents of Grozova as well as lives of people who is working in here. Hello, my name is Tanya. I work in Grozova 28 years. And I can only grant about 23 years and friendly with lots of Irish people. You know, it was... It was really hell because we needed clothes and shoes and, and if we have some problems with shower, with water, with step, they all the time come for help me. Okay, my name is Niall. I'm out here with Chernobyl Aid Ireland. Liam just asked me one last job was to come over with one of the teachers' houses and replace the front steps. It's turning out to be a little blighter of a job now, but we'll get there, we'll get there. It's nice to support the teachers, like. We'll just do our bit, like. Well, to get everyone up, you see, the whole idea, I suppose, over there, you're there for a week and you need to get as much work, especially him as far as he's concerned, to get as much work out of us as he can for that week or 10 days that we're there. So sometimes maybe the guys or some of us would feel like having a little lie on or 
uh, in the morning, but that doesn't happen with Liam Grant. There's a few lads here from S STS and Waterford. Can I get them out of bed? I don't know what they're doing all night, but let's see what we can do now with the sweeping brush. It's all your fault. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm John Hoonahan, I'm Bossy and driver from Cork, and we're just heading out now on a tour with the clients from Grosvenor Special Needs School. Uh, we're heading to the Nina Stalin, which is a outdoor museum from the Second World War. Okay, we first came here in 2005 with a Bossy and bus, and at that time it was a children's orphanage, and we took the children on tours. Now it's special needs people who have different needs and it becomes a different sort of challenge, really. Um, residents of Grosovo really like tours that have been organized by Irish volunteers. Uh, it is a, a possibility for them to go outside uh, of a boarding house and they receive a lot of um, uh, emotions. Um, we were very worried when the first tours were organized because we didn't know what to expect, what kind of a reaction we would receive from the residents. It's very easy in Belarus to become a handicapped person. Um, like if you're a really slow learner, um, you can end up in a place like that. Um, I'll give you one instance um, with uh, a young lady that's out there. Uh, she was married with uh, a couple of kids and she got, she had uh, an epileptic fit. And her husband um, decided, well, she's going into, into um, a home. So she got dumped into a psychiatric home. So, before they were admitted to Grosovo boarding house, all these people were in other different boarding houses around Belarus. Uh, every resident has uh, their own uh, tragic story. Uh, for example, Yefim uh, Gudasman, who had parents, and while parents were alive, uh, they took care of him. But unfortunately, when his parents died, uh, relatives didn't want to take care of him, and that's the reason he was uh, admitted to Grosovo boarding house. He is uh, mildly handicapped and unfortunately he cannot take care of himself. We have one more story. For example, Jana. She graduated university and her profession is a lawyer. And uh, because of a personal uh, tragedy, um, there have been changes in her psychological state. And she stopped just taking responsibilities for her actions. And her parents just couldn't uh, take care of her anymore. Uh, that's one of the reasons why she is uh, here right now. because it takes special people like, you know, just maybe to work with handicapped people. Uh, but still, they still go there. And you know what? Okay, right, maybe people who are staying in Grozova now, uh, maybe they're not kids, but down deep in their heart and in their soul, they are like kids. My name is Tim Breen, and I'm from Kerry, and I work with Boston and Kerry, and we have a group that um, assists Liam Grant with his Chernobyl Aid Ireland. Um, this is our 21st year now with Liam Grant. We help with fundraising, um, gathering aid, and we also assist with the building projects out here. The orphanage has just changed over the years. Now it is a, 
facility for mentally handicapped, mildly handicapped patients. And one of the things that even Liam is trying to do there is keep them, their brains occupied, keep them doing something. And Liam's granddaughter is Sarah. She is into drama and arts and all this. And every year she comes over and she's, she does dancing with him and all that. But the first thing they'll ask you when most of the lads are here is, where's Sarah? Where's Sarah? If Sarah isn't here, she's doing her leaving this year. And like, I think they should get big praise because they're going to be the next generation helping out here. I think that's it. And I think they're the forgotten people of Belarus. They're the forgotten ones. And you can see it in them when they're dancing. They're, when they're dancing and playing, they're completely in a different world. They're happy. They're happy. We have Irish volunteers who come from Ireland. They still do the same things as they used to do, you know, refurbishment and repairments, and still plumbers and electricians go there, like uh, hairdressers go there. Now, like last trip in May, now, like we had a hairdresser from Ireland uh, going to Grozova. You should see the excitement on the faces. They loved it. Well, why do we stay at it? You get addicted to it, like, you know, and you meet so many good friends here as well, like, you know. Because, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you're here, uh, you're working with people in very close proximity, and these are the same people, you know, when you're in a corner, you, you, could, they, you can stand by them and they can stand by you, like, you know. Again, over the years, I suppose we saw uh, the kids that started as little small children, and now they're adults. In actual fact, I know one or two where we actually went to their weddings. My name is Hugh Breen. I'm from Tralee, uh, County Kerry. Uh, I've been a volunteer here for the last 17 years. On my first ever visit, I came in contact with uh, a child called Marina, who was about 11 years of age at the time, my very first day. I can still um, picture the Marina on the very first day in her little white uh, Lion King t-shirt. and. And we struck up a, a friendship, I suppose, is what you call it at the start. She took to me and I took to her. And 17 years later, we're still in contact every day. You could say she's, well, she would be considered now as a daughter and uh, two grandchildren. So even 17 years later, you'd have people, all, or children from all over the world still contacting you, letting you know where they are, what they're doing. So like, it's great to see that we made a difference. You know, everybody that came here made a huge difference to their lives, as they did ours. It's very hard to describe the bond that's there because, I don't know, you have your own children at home and these are orphans. But that bond carry on, carries on, even though now it's changed into a different... Um, what would you call it now? This, a facility, a different, completely different facility, but the bond is still there. Some of the kids come back. Even I think you saw the last couple of days there, uh, there was kids that were here before they came back to see Joe, and when they know we're here, they'll come, they'll make an effort and come. And we still meet them in town, even though they're working in different shops and things. They would still recognise us. Where would we take us a few minutes to say, then they explain who they are, we'd recognise them. There's a girl in the phone shop, in, in, uh, just under the pizza place there. Uh, and she recognised me the other day. I didn't recognise her for a few minutes until Lena said, this is... So she came over with big hugs. And that bond is still there. I mightn't have seen her for five or six years. And uh, he just ask you, how are you and how are you doing? In that Belarusian-Irish accent. So the small little things like that that really lift your heart, like to say, you know, we did do something good here. We did. And the majority of them are good, good kids. They turn out to be good kids. To easy another's heartache is to forget one's own, Abraham Lincoln. You can't work without volunteers. You can't do anything without the volunteers. They're our soul and blood, you know. But you can't run the charity with Liam Grant either now because he is the heart and power behind the whole the whole group of volunteers, you know. He always have the time for all the people. He always talk to everyone. And as he's saying, if he needs to do anything for Grozova, he would do it, you know. He has been awarded 
by uh, highest award uh, for foreigners from the Russian president. This is uh, Francisco Skarina order. There are only two people in Ireland who got it. One of them is Lim Grant and another one is Eddie Roach. Nobody else, like, you know. He doesn't take it out on his shoulder at all, look, I have this medal. But that is a very, very high award. There's very few foreigners actually got that award. And there's different levels of that, or, that award. We've got the top level of that award. So that's a fair achievement, like, you know. Um, it's kind of a recognition of saying, yeah, look, you're doing okay, lads, like, you know. Uh, it's supposed to be one of the highest awards that um, um, anybody will get. There's only a few people after getting this award. Um, to be honest, I would prefer if he had to give us a few pounds to buy something for for Grosvo. But it was nice to get. It was nice for... Um, uh, I did accept it. Uh, I went to London to uh, the Belarusian embassy there and uh, got this award, but I did accept it on behalf of all the Irish people that had had done the work. Um, like it wasn't, it wasn't for me, it was for everybody. He'd give anything for anybody. He's, that's like, he's got such a big heart. I was out there about two years ago, three years ago, and where the kitchen is, I was, his lorry is parked up beside it. And I was watching him from the window and he was handing over a pair of shoes to one of the residents there. And I found out after, when I came back from Ireland, back from Belarus, that uh, he had, had handed over a brand new pair of shoes and he had come home with the really bad pair of shoes with holes in it. He will give the shirt off his back. And he has. Like, he's this hard, tough cookie at times. And, like, he can be hard. He can be really hard. But he has to be. He has to be to get it going. Like, the kids, if you ever speak to any of the kids that would have known him when they were young, they just adore him. They absolutely adore him. And the residents that are there now adore him as well. They absolutely adore him. But, like, I used to go there twice a year myself and you'd spend one month in uh, May and then one month in September it's a big part of your life like you know and then as I said like when you go to Belarus I even have tears now <laughs> but when you go to Belarus and when you come back to Ireland your trip doesn't stop when you come back to Ireland like you know because you're constantly thinking about what you're going to do next what's what's your next step is going to be you know you're just trying to plan your next trip you're just thinking what else can be done for the orphanage for the orphanage uh, Irish volunteers then thinking okay right uh, what do they need most like you know then they go and begging <laughs> literally like you know we need to bring um, shampoos or we need to bring toothpaste or we need to bring you know uh, I don't know, building supplies. Uh. Nothing changes. <laughs> the next trip will be like the first one. Now I see that I could, if I live to be 100, I'd still probably be coming here. They genuinely do. They have nothing like. Chernobyl hasn't gone away. It hasn't gone away. It's still here. People need help. They need us. Gaza itself, it's, it's a part of Ireland, you could say, because we have left our mark here. So I like to think that would be our legacy after that we've done a lot of work here and you can see yourself, it is a nice place. Yeah, it was a great trip. Everything went according to plan. Great work done. And it'd be great now to see the lads going off home this morning. We'll have a bit of peace here and just hope they'll all come back again. That's all now. Take off the dresser. <laughs> the destiny of all civilization depends upon providing a decent standard of living for all mankind. Norman Pollach. It is not possible to list the large amount of people whom I have been asked to mention and thank during the making of this documentary. But know that whatever contribution you've made to Chernobyl Aid Ireland, it is greatly appreciated and needed. 
Waterford to Grosseville was a McCarthy Thompson Creative Media production and was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee.